The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Fill her up! You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Conceive, believe, achieve. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> You're listening to Believe You Me with Michael the Count Bisbing. You know my name yet? And Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Uh, when was it the last time I did a pay-per-view? It, it was, it was, was it Houston? Maybe. I mean, obviously we did 286, but that wasn't when Joe was there. But either way, it's uh, it's just going to be great to have you, brother. I'm looking forward to it, John. I really am. You know, I, I posted the other day working with the goats, and I mean that. I mean, when it comes to play-by-play, you're the man, Joe, Joe Rogan, of course. He kind of invented the, the role of mixed martial arts commentary. So it's yeah. always a pleasure, man. And that fight card top to bottom is phenomenal. The research is a lot easier, let me tell you that. No, that's the truth, right? When I look at this main card, it's like five main events. So yeah, it's definitely a different navigation when it comes to the preparation. Dude, I remember like 2012, 2013, chasing some of these prelim fighters and I didn't know how I was going to handle a walkout because there was just not a lot of information out there. But there's been an evolution in terms of our whole preparation process, as you well know, with the fighter meetings and the bios and everything else. So which again is down to you. Let's have it right. Let's give the credit where credit's due. You brought in the uh, the fighter meeting, so we get to sit down with the guys one by one. Anyway, uh, John, I'm not a, I'm not American. I'm not an American football fan, but I did sit down, sit down even, and watch the Super Bowl last night. Uh, I guess I would be remiss if we didn't touch on the Super Bowl huh. a little bit. I mean, I, you're not going to get any analysis from me. I did want San Francisco 49ers to win simply because I'm sick of this Taylor Swift nonsense. Right. And and that was, that was it. And of course, San Francisco's in California. So I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a imported Californian. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, yeah, fuck huh. Kansas city chiefs and fuck Taylor Swift. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with all the Taylor Swift haters, and I know we're going to talk about the game and not Taylor Swift necessarily, right? But my daughters used to be bigger Swifties than they are right now, but certainly my eldest daughter was interested in the result of this game because of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. But let us be clear, Travis Kelsey was pursuant of a relationship with Taylor Swift. It wasn't like the roles were reversed. So yeah, man, I find it a little bit off-putting that they're taking every chance directorially to show her on camera, but this was largely Travis Kelsey's doing. So if there's anybody to blame, I think it's number 87 in the red, yellow, and white. Hey, listen, I'm only kidding. Fair play. I've got nothing against Taylor Swift at yeah. all. It's just that she impermeates or permeates, should I say, Every aspect of my life these days. I put the news yeah. on in the morning. There she is. You put uh-huh. the football on. There she is. My daughter was the biggest Swifty as well. Rebecca and Ellie, they went off to see one of her concerts. She's amazing. She's incredibly yeah. talented. But just, you know, I think guys, and I'm not even a football fan, you know, they probably want to watch the football and not watch the love story. Anyway, right. uh, one thing that people are in uproar about, John. In fact, I just saw a headline. This is insane. Where is it here? Let me just find the headline. MMA fans fume 
as Dana White fails to announce the UFC 300 during the Super Bowl. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, there were some fighters. I think Michael Chiesa pushed out some sort of tweet that was suggestive that we were going to get some sort of breaking news. I think the UFC is fiscally responsible enough to not spend $7 million on a Super Bowl commercial to announce the main event for UFC 300. I, I still think they're working on it. There have been some rumblings out there today as to what it might be, and it seems like Leon Edwards might factor prominently in this equation. I had heard Leon Edwards was going to defend his title in June, but maybe they move that up to UFC 300. But I got to think, Michael, by the time we crack a mic in Anaheim, we will have that answer or even maybe break the news on the broadcast. But I find it exceedingly hard to believe that we're going to get through UFC 298 unless they're waiting for some Volkanovsky result or something. I think we're not going to get to that fight card. I think by Saturday night, we'll have a UFC 300 main event. Yeah, Dana came out and I think he was very honest, wasn't he? Speaking to the media saying, you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. He said you could make a documentary trying to make this main event and things like that. Yeah, number one regarding the Super Bowl, they don't need to spend $7 million advertising it. The whole world that's an MMA fan and even non-MMA fans are all very, very curious. Of course, it's supposed to be Chandler and McGregor. God knows when that's going to happen. Poor old Michael Chandler. Poor Michael Chandler, I feel I for the guy. I also feel... I feel uh, for Bilal Muhammad because the rumors that I'm seeing online, when you look it up, UFC 300, it's saying right now, Leon versus Hamza. Now that's just a rumor that's coming from Helwani, right? Take that all with multiple pinches of salt. But if for one second that was poor old Bilal once again, well, here's the thing, right? And certainly I have to suggest that Bilal Muhammad is like family to me, right? He does a podcast with my twin brother. But the one thing that I have said, even though in a meritocracy, Bilal Muhammad is hard to deny. The only guy, and it's not Shavkat Rachmanov, the only guy who maybe would have a case for a welterweight title shot is Hamzat Shimaev. But we thought he left the weight class. So mm. that one, I think, in a meritocracy, I would have an easier time with than Shavkat Rachmanov sort of jumping the line and superseding Bilal Muhammad. But yeah, man, they need a main event, and I certainly would feel for Bilal if he has to sit out any longer. Certainly, he has put together a winning streak that should afford him a championship opportunity, but there's a lot of masters that they're serving. I don't have to tell you that, right? There's a lot of different television networks and pay-per-view partners and everything else. And they want to put the biggest fight on possible. And with respect to Leon and Bilal, I don't think fans would be super thrilled if that was your main event for UFC 300. And when it comes to Hamza, the reality is this man is the star, right? Regardless of what you think about him and his worthiness to fight for a shot at middleweight, I think at welterweight, he certainly deserves it. I, I think on, you know, performances alone, when you look at the resume, you look at the undefeated record, and then you look at the numbers that this guy brings. I mean, if I do a YouTube video, I've just got to mention the word Hamzat Chimmy. Right. The, the, view, the views go through the roof. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm probably very popular over in Chechnya or somewhere because, you know, listen, he, he's, he's, he's like a Bond villain. He fights his goddamn ass off and he would be phenomenal. But we're probably talking and barking up completely the wrong tree. I don't expect you to give up any inside knowledge because I haven't got any. That's for damn sure. No, I have none. There have been some rumors circulating, and perhaps this speaks to the documentary that they could do for UFC 300. And again, I don't know where these rumors have surfaced from, so I apologize. But maybe that they would 
develop a 165-pound weight class, and Leon Edwards would be the champion at 175 pounds, and heretofore, the welterweight division would be 175. And I think big picture, that makes a lot of sense, right? Lorenzo Fertitta always wanted championship doubleheaders, and I think putting another men's weight class between 55 and 70 makes sense. Also, that would mean Hamzat Shimaev, in theory, would have an easier time making 75 than 70. But, bro, I can understand, like, why Chimaev moves the needle. Like, when Dana White gets hyperbolic when talking about Hamza Chimaev, I would turn it back to you. I've seen very few athletes this captivating when it comes to the total package in octagon, out of octagon. There's an undeniable presence when he opens his mouth. He doesn't even have to say too much. And then even the way he handled his post-fight interview after the his last fight against Kamara Usman, I thought was just really thoughtful, bordering on brilliant. I can understand why he checks a lot of boxes and moves all the needles you would want him to move. So with respect to Bilal and everybody else, if Shimaev is the guy, we could sell that fight and I can certainly promote it as a play-by-play guy. No, 100%. And I don't think anybody would have an issue. You know, I mean, all right, Bilal, Bilal diehard fans, Bilal's parents, you know <laughs> what I mean? Outside of that, everyone's like, yes, brother, give me Hamza Chimeyev. Right. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. What's going on in your world, John, outside of being the greatest play-by-play commentator the world has ever seen? How's life in the John Anik household? Well, it's been nice to have a few weeks off. I'm actually coming to you from my relatively new home studio, which is great. I have three cameras in here. It's actually in a nook in my master bedroom, which uh, is a little bit less than ideal. Three but, cameras. I mean, I got all these sounders like... So I got all sorts of bells and whistles, which is really nice. (laughs) Yeah, I got I got some sound bites. And, uh, you know, when Jorge Masvidal knocked out Ben Askren, you know, that's my favorite Askren stiff as a bore. But no, I mean, the Super Bowl was great last night. One thing that I think relates to MMA, if I could. So one team seemed to know the new overtime rules last night, and that was the victorious Kansas City Chiefs. And there are a lot of us NFL fans that didn't know the extent to which the overtime rules changed once the playoffs start. And that is to say that both teams get a possession and not to bore you with that, but I will say as an MMA commentator, bro, like sometimes when we're calling fights, I forget the fucking grounded opponent rule. And I know fighters playing the game and putting their hand down. I'm just saying like we all as commentators and as people in the NFL or the UFC, we try to be as knowledgeable as humanly possible, but bro, I keep the rules printed in my backpack and I know we're going to affect change as far as that grounded opponent rule is concerned in MMA, but I don't know, man, it just had me thinking about that rule last night when there's the entire San Francisco 49ers team doesn't even know the fucking NFL overtime rules in the playoffs. So what is the overtime rule? Because I know they went to an extra period, which is 15 minutes. I'm going to be honest at that point. I took my dog for a walk. <laughs> right. I did. I did. Right. I did. I was like, okay. I'm over this now. This It's a long ass game. I tweeted at one point, this game has been on for 20 minutes. I've seen three minutes of actual football and 18 right. minutes of ads. Okay. Right. And I'm like, so I sat through the whole thing, the, the halftime show. It was, it was a spectacle. It was a great show. It was very camp. I felt I, I did actually take a nap and I woke up and I felt like I was in 2007. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, and then by the time we got to the end of it, I was like, oh, for crying out loud, it's, it's, it's a tie. Now they're going to go to an extra period. And my wife was barking like a dog that we go walk the dog. Cause she's all about the steps. You know what I mean? She's obsessed yeah. looking at her phone. She's like, we haven't had enough steps today, Michael. We need to go for a walk and it's going to get late and it's getting dark. And I'm like, okay. 
And as we were walking the dog, we heard from all the houses. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it must have been the 49ers because we're in California. Right. But it wasn't. Anyway, roundabout story. What is the rule? So during the regular season, if a game goes to overtime, they toss a coin and 100% of the time, whoever wins the coin toss takes the ball. Because if you score a touchdown and not a field goal to begin the overtime during the regular season, the game is over. That rule used to apply to the playoffs. But now in the postseason, both teams get at least one possession. So a touchdown can't win the game. And it seemed like a lot of the 49ers players were not aware of that, which is largely inexcusable. I mean, the great head coaches, Andy Reid, of course, Kansas City Chiefs head coach, Bill Belichick, they would have exhaustedly gone over this rule. The Chiefs went over it before every single playoff game. So I was wide-eyed here and after the game that the San Francisco 49ers players were not aware of that rule. And Kyle Shanahan, their head coach, took the ball first, I don't know that that was the right decision. He's kind of getting raked over the coals for that. But I just find it interesting because, you know, we're judged for every utterance over eight hours on a live telecast, and that's fine, right? I mean, it's up to us not to perjure ourselves. But I'm just saying, like, not that I'm asking for forgiveness, but, dude, when it comes to some of the rules in MMA, I try to wrap my head around them as best I can, but sometimes I forget when I'm on live TV. And Harry, to jump on here, because you're a big football fan, so maybe you've got a comment for John. And if you don't, and it's not intelligent, just don't bother coming on, but do come on. Um, What would you say is a harder game to understand the rules and convey to the listener or the viewer? Football or mixed martial arts? It's a great question. I would say American football. There are just a lot of intricacies to the game. And even my almost 13-year-old daughter, who spent much of last night trying to learn the game of football, There was a third down situation in the fourth quarter and she was like, wait, I forget. Do they get another first down here? And so there's just a lot of intricacies to football. I think mixed martial arts for a guy like me as not a martial artist is going to be a constant learning curve for me, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can be sure when it's fucking anacondas and bravos, I'm laying out and letting the people to my right talk about what those submissions are. Because even though I can maybe know the difference between a Darce and an anaconda, I'm not looking to do that on live TV and Dana White's not not looking to hear me talk about that stuff. But I don't know. I feel like American football is really hard to understand. Yeah, John, I'll tell you, I had the same thing with my 30 year old wife yesterday trying to explain the rules of football to her. It's it's not very easy, but she watches fighting with me every Saturday and she knows if that guy gets knocked down and stays there, that's a win. Well, that's pretty easy, isn't it? That's universal. (laughs) You know, when somebody gets knocked to the canvas, it's done. It's done. Um, wasn't the best question, Harrington. In fact, there wasn't even a question. There was a, a question uh, th- th- that was actually a brag. He's telling uh, John, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, my <laughs> wife's almost 44 years old. Right. I'm assuming your wife's somewhere similar around your age. Harrington just said, my 30-year-old wife, which was not relevant information. You just had to get it in there that you're with a 30-year-old. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to say that we're with old women, Harrington? No, I'm saying that uh, his 13-year-old daughter has about the same mental capacity for football as my adult <laughs> wife. <laughs> yeah. Very no, no. his wife. Yeah, no, I, my wife's in her mid-40s, so maybe it's time to find a 30-year-old girlfriend out there at some point in time. But yeah, it's a hard game to understand. And, you know, with the punting game and the kicking game and, game and the changes of possession and the kick goes through the end zone and the ball comes out to the 25-yard line, eventually – My daughter, growing up in a football family, will be able to wrap her head around it, but it's far easier for me to watch a fight with my daughters because even if they don't know exactly what's going on on the ground, they at least have an opinion as to whether they prefer that or the stand-up. I just feel like a fight 
as simplistic as this may sound, a fight is a fight, and I think more ingestible for kids than American football. Right, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and now is the time for you to take charge of your mental health and do it in the most convenient way possible. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. If there's something bugging you, if there's something preventing you from reaching your goals, being the best version of yourself, if you can't put down the bottle, if you're always arguing with everyone everywhere you go, if you've got an anger problem, an attitude problem, if you, you feel like you're your own worst enemy, you've got anxiety, just some bloody issue in general, talking to a licensed professional therapist will help. There's something going on, something from your childhood, something that happened recently, something that you need to let go of, and you just don't know. Sitting down with one of the licensed professional therapists that BetterHelp offers will help you get past that hurdle and live a better life. As I say, it's all done online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. So please, Give BetterHelp a try. All you got to do is go to betterhelp.com slash believe to get 10% off your first month. Be the best version of yourself. Listen, I'm not trying to be cheesy. It's true. If you're sitting here right now thinking, man, I would like to try this, but uh, nah, forget it. I won't. Do it. You will thank yourself later. Go to betterhelp.com slash believe for 10% off your first month. Do you know what I found harder to watch? Than a game of American football. What's that? Just recently. This is a pretty good segue. The video of John Jones heckling a comedian whilst absolutely hammered. Did you see this? No. Are you serious? Now I know what I'm doing after the we theory- tape. <laughs> well, no need. We can play it right now. And listen, by the way, I just want to say this. Fair play to John Jones, right? I like a drink. Okay, so there's zero judgment. I'm not saying anything bad about John Jones. Just hold it one second. Like, we all go out. You're allowed to enjoy ourselves. John Jones is known. He's got a bit of a reputation, okay? He's out. He hasn't got a fight coming up. All good. He's just in the unfortunate position that he's... Johnny Bones Jones, and someone's filming him, it certainly appears. But then Harrington just said, hold on, John Jones is in Australia currently. Right. But take a listen to this, because this, I would put money on this being John Jones. And he wasn't being rude. He wasn't being asshole. He's just slurring his words and his hammer drunk. God bless him. Rolls the tape. Right. Turn it off. So wait, are, are you, you're an audience member, right? Uh-huh. You're a little drunk, I assume. Um, un poquito. Un poquito? <laughs> I would say is I want your hair shit. I want a good white joke. Like, uh, I want, want, a, I want a white guy to give me the best. Well, I'll do, I'll do a rebuttal to it's you. It's been so many years. I want my friends to give me a rebuttal. <laughs> hey. Good. Give hey. it to him. Give it to him for a good white joke. Huh? I was saying, guys, give it to him for a good white joke. Give it to Yes, anyway. everybody give it to me All right now. We don't need to listen to the whole thing. And it's just kind of like that. It's just him trying to be nice, trying to be a little bit funny. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with it. There's no crime there whatsoever. It's just when you're out and about in public, you got to make sure people aren't filming you. I would say that was John Jones, would you? Yeah, I mean, his <laughs> cadence, Michael, is largely undeniable. That sounded like John Jones 10 out of 10 times, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope the head's feeling good today, John. Um, John Jones was in the news, though, regarding UFC 300. He came out recently and said that the UFC approached him and he wasn't ready. In fact, Brian or Harrington, do you have the exact 
quote. I'm sure you probably know this, John, uh, just for the, the believers. And again, thanks for your time today, John. Really, really appreciate it. Anthony Smith has got Kansas City Blues, <laughs> I think, or something no, like my, that. It's my absolute pleasure to be on with one of my all-time favorite fighters and oh. commentating part. No, that's the truth, man. I mean, there's only one fighter who I have ever asked to take a picture doing a stare down with. And that fighter is Michael Bisping. You're actually immortalized in my studio right up there. But what was interesting, I think for a lot of people, and I'm certain we're going to get to the quote here, but John Jones was seen tackling somebody in Australia and he looked pretty darn healthy. So hopefully he's maybe closer to a return than initially thought. Yeah, I, I did see that uh, playing rugby or something like that. And I guess doing that for a split second, even though it looks good and it looks like, you know, he's healed, that could still be a far cry away from going through an intensive eight-week training camp. Yeah. Uh, but have you got any idea when you think they will schedule that, John Jones and Stipe? It's going to be, what, September, something like that maybe? I would think so. Stipe Miocic, it's crazy, right, to think about this four-year layoff that the last time he competed in the Octagon, I think it was at the UFC Apex. Maybe it wasn't, but he was 38, and now he's going to be 42 years of age. So hopefully for his sake, right, it happens sooner rather than later. You wonder how Stipe has navigated his training over the last 18 months or so. There have been times where you have seen Stipe on Instagram really committed to the strength and conditioning, and then maybe he peels back or closes that curtain to the fans for a little bit. But I think for John Jones, the meat of his comments was really that, to me, it sounds like he has two fights left, and the next one is going to be Stipe, and he wants to have an optimal eight-week training camp in advance of the Stipe fight. And no matter... What Stipe is, right? Stipe is a massive underdog against John Jones, even a bigger underdog than I would think. But history's not going to care that Stipe was 42 when John yeah. Jones beat him. And that's why that fight just has tremendous value to somebody like John Jones. But I do hope that we see Johns and Jones and Tom Aspinall at some point. And and the thing is, well, first of all, he did say that he would fight Tom Aspinall next, I believe, or he alluded to it. I think no, I think he actually said that he did, right, Harrington? Uh, so I have the quote. He said, uh, "It's I'm really going to base whether I continue on how I compete against Stipe, how I heal up from this injury. I could blow Stipe out of the water or it could be an absolute war. And I feel like I need to take it one step as, as a time before seeing what I do next. But the Tom fight is definitely not off the table, especially with how I've been feeling out here. I just totally feel reinvigorated and just re-energized just being around all these fans. So I can't walk away. Yeah, I mean, listen, fair enough. I mean, listen, the man is the greatest of all time, generally, the general consensus. And you don't get to that kind of standing without taking your business very, very seriously. I mean, what was that fight he refused to take on Chael Sonnen, even though he would have right. beaten Chael Sonnen, but he's professional and meticulous about his career. And there's a reason why he is undefeated, all right, apart from the disqualification, because this is how he does it. And he does have so much to lose in terms of, well, just legacy, and historic, you know, you know how he's going to go down in history. You know, he's going to go down as one of the most legendary fighters that ever competed. You don't get to be like that unless you are of that mindset. If you are that kind of, as I say, meticulous once again. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so it could be a while. could be a while, but I, he's got to fight Tom Aspinall. I find it exceedingly hard to believe that they will ever lock the octagon door behind John Jones and Tom Aspinall, right? If I could get a bet as, out as to whether or not that fight would ever happen, I just don't think it's going to happen. And it speaks to your point about legacy. If he beats Stipe Miocic, 
That Tom Aspinall fight, I mean, you and I could sit here and talk all day about just how risky a proposition that is. John Jones is prohibitively favored against Stipe Miocic. He'd be a slight favorite against Tom Aspinall, right? But that line's going to be a whole lot closer. But the UFC, you can't strip the greatest of all time. So they knew they were going to enter into a situation where the the waters were going to be muddy and that either Tom Aspinall or Sergey Pavlovich maybe was going to have to make a defense of the interim heavyweight championship. And that is an inconvenient truth. I think Hennon Burrell maybe had an interim title defense back in the day. There's nothing ideal about it, but... Tom Aspinall's got a gold belt at home, and I just hope they don't shelve him for too long financially, maybe make it worth his while, um, because he is an elite heavyweight. I don't have to tell you he's smack dab in the middle of his career, getting closer to his fighting prime, and I would just hate to see Aspinall shelve for 10, 10 or 12 months. He already lost a year due to injury. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, not that I'm trying to rip on Jones, but one thing about Jones is, as I said, and as we saw in that video, you know, he likes to enjoy himself a little bit and he likes to indulge. And he had, what was it, a three-year layoff, something like that, uh, in between coming up to heavyweight. Uh, And he doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's chiseled out of stone at heavyweight. I'm not trying to talk shit. It's not a bodybuilding contest. He blew through Cyril Garn. On the flip side, though, Tom Aspinall is a guy, and I'm not kissing his ass, and that's what everybody says. It's just the facts. I texted him this morning trying to get him on the podcast. He's like, mate, I'm training. He's training all the time. He's yeah. training like a man possessed. He's moving heavyweights. He's sparring the biggest guys. He is completely obsessed about being the best ever, you know? And yes, Jones is the best ever, you know, but things do change. And and I don't know, you're right. I don't know if Jones would take that fight. It probably isn't smart. But I think for him to still hold on and maintain that legacy and that title, he has to fight him. Otherwise, he will forever be known as the guy that ducked Tom Aspinall, especially when he's got an interim belt for crying out loud. I couldn't agree with you more. And I have often said about Conor McGregor, yes, he has plenty of money, but do you really think he's going to optimally enjoy his retirement if he doesn't chase a few more MMA scalps, right? Conor McGregor has one win in the UFC in his prime weight class, 155 pounds, right? So there definitely is still an upside to the Tom Aspinall fight for John Jones. I just kind of feel like if he does run through Stipe, then that'll probably be the high note upon which he wants to go mm-hmm. out. But in terms of John Jones's preparation, right? He even sort of in a veiled way knocked his own preparation against Seattle Gaunt. Even though he got the desired result very quickly, he talked about how he was going to take the prep to the next level. He was softer than a lot of us expected him to look, at least aesthetically, going into that fight. So I do think at this stage of John's career, you know, it takes a lot of discipline to get through an eight-week training camp. And I just don't know that uh, that he's going to take that Tom Aspinall fight. But, you know, sometimes when you talk about Tom Aspinall, people think it's hyperbolic, right? So take it from me, right? Like everything you've said about his ability and his potential, most of your broadcast partners and contemporaries agree with it. We're just not British. So Mm. Michael, Mm. I know sometimes people criticize you for how bullish you are on Tom Aspinall. Most of us agree with your every word. Yeah, well, no, thank you, John. Um, And a lot of that, 
I've said this multiple times, isn't based upon friendship. Right. It's not at all. It's based upon the results and it's based upon, you know, having long conversations with his father as well, you know, and I've got, people's fathers are always your number one fan. They're always going to say, this guy trains like nobody else and so on and so forth, you know. I mean, look at Tyson Fury's dad. <laughs> right, no man alive. Right. I had to get one in, guys. I apologize. You know, he's, he, he, will, he will die defending his son, you know, but when you talk to his dad as well, you see how dedicated he is, etc. Etc. We've talked about this a lot on this podcast. So we're going to move along if you don't mind. UFC 298 this weekend, right? Got to talk about these fights. Ilya Taporia, Alexander Volkanovsky. Taporia is incredible. Undefeated, 14 and all, 12 stoppages. Just seemingly gets better and better with every performance. He's got two countries behind him. He's got Georgia and Spain. He's got a lot of support. He loves a good turtleneck, right? Huh. But he's already changed the bio on his Instagram to the featherweight champion of the world, okay? And Volkanovski came out. I think it was Volk that said it. It's going to be a very humbling experience for when he has to go back and change that, personally amend that. Um, What do you make of this whole situation, John? Like Just the the confidence and the disregard for Alexander the Great. Well, I think it's more confidence than it is disregard. And knowing Ilya Topuria the way I do, I don't think he would have any issue change in his bio if he loses the fight. I feel as though it is an eventuality that either this weekend or in the future, Ilya Topuria will be the undisputed UFC featherweight champion. I believe he is that good. I can't tell you whether or not it's going to happen this weekend, but I love the confidence. I sat down with him in December when they did that seasonal press conference and he has no problem looking into a lens and saying, I think it's a great time to fight Alexander Volkanovsky after he got knocked out by Islam Akashev. Question whether or not he could make this quick turn. A lot of opponents wouldn't want to provide bulletin board material. Even if they thought that on the inside, they wouldn't be suggestive of that publicly. And the other thing I'll say about Topuria, he's been working in silence, man. I asked him about his coaches and the unheralded nature of their profiles. And he said, I win the belt. Eventually my whole team's going to get their shine, but He's showing a new and improved version, to your point, every time out. And I think for a lot of us, with respect to Max Holloway and everybody else, if we had to send one featherweight in there to beat Alexander Volkanovsky to, like, save a dog's life, we're sending in Ilya Topuria. Well, it ain't going to be Max. Otherwise, that dog's dead. You know what I mean? Because we've yeah. beaten that dog to death. Max has yeah. had his attempts. I love Max. I love Max. No shame. Nothing but respect for Max Holloway. But he wouldn't be the guy to save. You got a dog, John? Huh. I do have a dog. What kind of dog? It is a, it's like 25% golden retriever, 75% poodle. It's like a golden doodle, I think they call them. A golden, I've got a bloody, what have I got? A multi-poodle. <laughs> we've got the doodles. What, what's, what's, what's the golden doodle's name? So this golden doodle actually just went off to boot camp today for six weeks. So that'll cost you, but it'll be worth it. So that when I come downstairs from doing the believe you me podcast, she's not on the top of the kitchen table on all fours, but her name is Maisie because she was trained as Maisie. And I just felt like she knew her name and I didn't want to change it. My kids liked it enough, but she's only like six months old. Boot camp began today. And hopefully this dog fucking tightens her shit up because otherwise she might be looking for a new home. No, I am a dog person. I absolutely love my dog. And honestly, going downstairs and having her not be here is uh, is a really weird thing. And I know you could speak to that as well as anyone. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I, but, but so Maisie. So Maisie's been kidnapped by a bunch yes. of dogs. And they're yes. going to they're gonna kill her. You're going to choose one person from the featherweight division right. to go in and save that dog. To your point, 
it wouldn't be Max Vol Max Holloway to right. beat Volkanovski. And I agree with you. That person probably right now, I mean, who else is there? It would be Mavsar. Other than Mavsar Iavloyev, I can't think of anybody else. But Arnold Allen is another guy, man. I'm a huge Maisie's fan of Maisie's got a Arnold shot Allen. here. I think yeah. Maisie might yeah. just live to see another day. Yeah. But no, Arnold Allen, Mavsar Iavloyev. And the other thing, too, about Topuria, right? A lot of people don't like that he says that he's not going to give a championship opportunity to Max Holloway or Brian Ortega or Yair Rodriguez. It's talking shit. He... Right, but but like the, his issue is the inactivity of some of those guys. It doesn't apply to Max Holloway, right? But he it doesn't necessarily. He might see Brian Ortega as a much easier fight than Mavsar Iavloya, but you can be sure Ilya Topuria, if he becomes champion, is gonna want to fight a guy who, on merit, deserves to be there. You know, and Mavsar Iavloya is undefeated. He was booked to fight Ilya Topuria in January of 2022. I wouldn't be surprised if that fight gets put back together. Maybe it'll be an immediate rematch if he beats Volk, but I don't know. I feel like fans really didn't like those comments. And you can be sure if the UFC tells him to fight Max Holloway in his first defense, he's going to fucking do it. Yeah, no, listen, I think all he's doing there is stirring the pot. He's getting yeah. headlines. He's talking shit. He's exuding confidence and he's got an undefeated record. So that's what you do. You make headlines. You talk shit. You piss off everyone else in the division. Do you know what I mean? He's not here to make friends after all. Right. Um, I, I want to go back to Maisie though. If you don't mind, please. I love, I love dogs. So she's gone off on a six week boot camp training. So she, I'm assuming. Yes. So like when we walk her on a leash, bro, like I can't contain this dog. I mean, she's probably only 25, 30 pounds, but there's just a lot of things that we need to do to make it more enjoyable in our lives. But no, she comes home on the weekends. So she goes Monday through Friday and then she'll come home on the weekends. And then we try to affect change with her behaviors as far as, translating what they've been doing to the home. Um, but it's an investment and I think it's a worthwhile one because, uh, you know, I got little kids and, you know, she thinks that my five-year-old son is a fucking puppy and bites his face, you know, not oh, maliciously. Really? Oh, really? Well, it's a nip, right? But the yeah, danger no, no, is no, but that still, it could, but that's you know, serious. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, shit. So this guy, you could just see him over my shoulder. That's Alfie, me. Rest in yes. peace. Okay. We did the same thing. Oh, God, Alfie, don't make me cry. But it's true, though. All jokes aside, they really pull on your heartstrings. Alfie was a gigantic German Shepherd. So there was this company, Off Leash Life. They took him um, for a few weeks. You know, because if German Shepherds, they just pull like crazy. Yeah. And he's big and he's, uh, so he, he scares the shit out of everybody. So they wanted to train him up. And then by the end, they did a video. It was on Santa Monica Pier. And they're walking along and he's like, stop, come, wait, do this. And just not getting distracted at all. Uh, so they did a phenomenal job. But they do use a shock collar, okay? Which obviously, you know, shocks them into doing as the bloody well told. Uh, and it did work. It worked for a long time, but then after a while, it's hard because if you don't keep up that same kind of rigorous discipline, right. you know, if the kids are getting them on the couch and giving them a stroke, so off leash life did an incredible job, but Alfie passed away trying to shit his pants. And, uh, if you need a good dog trainer off leash life, there you go. But, um, well, I'm not trying yeah, to man. make you sad about Alfie, but I think for a lot of us MMA fans, just seeing you and that dog together and running together. And so when Alfie passed, like it hit your fan base hard as well, but dude, Maisie's they, this part of this training is an electric collar. You know, some somebody suggested to me that depending on a dog's disposition, they have like a citronella spray. So maybe if they bark or they tighten the leash on you, it just like sprays some citronella in their face and they don't particularly like that. 
Largely, I would be against the shock collar, but I completely nah. defer to the expertise of this trainer. I said, you could fucking shock the shit out of my dog. Yeah, yeah. The, the dogs at the end of the day, these are incredibly tough animals and they don't really feel it. It's not like a massive electric shock, right. but it just sends it enough of a message to say, hey, listen, yeah. dickhead, stop doing that. Ah. Stop shitting on the rug, right? Yeah. I am sick. In fact, in fact, we actually said this last night because we watched the game. There's just Rebecca and I. We, we got invited to a Super Bowl party, but it got cancelled. So Lucas was upstairs. He's not interested. He says, me and Rebecca, we don't understand the game at all. Do you know what I mean? We watched the whole thing and then when it went to extra time, we're like, fuck it, come on, let's watch yeah, let's go. Right, let, let, we're, we're, we're sick of this now. We're pretending to enjoy this because we're trying to absorb American culture. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We want to fit in. We want to have the conversations. And we, as we walked along, we stopped and Harry, our little guy, you know, I don't know what he was eating, but he was taking a lot of shits. And <laughs> Rebecca actually said at the time, she said, I would, I'm quite happy spending my time picking up fecal matter as opposed to sitting at home watching that game. I liked the game, but it did yeah. come on for a while. Anyway, uh, Harrington, do you want to give us a non-MMA story? Because we don't have John on it for too much longer. Again, John, thank you for your time. I do appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. My Harrington, man. are you there? Are you there, Harrington? Yeah, I am. Sorry, I was just looking up this story because I, I had to read it twice. No, 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 no. I had to read this twice to believe it. So a water slide of all things uh, caught on fire in Sweden. Uh, it was during uh, construction. Uh, Twelve people who were building the attraction uh, are injured uh, thanks to the blast. And it has. Uh, yeah, it's like it spread to other parts of the park that was set to open this summer. But who knows uh, following this tragic event? I mean, that is a nice bit of. Sunshine and rainbows from right, <laughs> right. Because do do you do this on the Anik Florian? Oh wow! Oh my oh, gosh! Shit! Wow! Oh my god! I mean that is just terrifying. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that is insane. I when you <clears throat> said caught on fire, that's like a massive explosion. Wow. Because I love a water park. How do you feel about a water park, job? I feel great about water slides. You know, I am not a big roller coaster guy, incidentally. You know, I'm not trying to, like, go on top of a Ferris wheel either and potentially stare death in the face when the thing fucking stops, you know. Um, but, yeah, I like water parks. But actually, I, so I got offered a helicopter ride after UFC 298, right? So to go directly from UFC 298 to then spend the night in Las Vegas. And I won't go in a helicopter. I would imagine you, uh, you would have no problem going in a helicopter. I have flown on the back of a Black Hawk helicopter, shooting a machine gun, flying over Afghanistan, myself, BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, and Carlos Condit. Wow. And it was an unbelievable experience. We flew all over Afghanistan by a hel helicopters. So you could have gone to Vegas there and then that night. I mean, what a life you are living, John, and you well, deserve it all. I mean, come on. Well, hey, honestly, after uh, Kobe Bryant passed away, there was nothing that would get me on a helicopter. He was my favorite non-Boston athlete of all time. And I can honestly say with all the close relatives and friends I have lost over the years, I have never felt as bad a physical sensation go through my body than when I got a text message that Kobe uh, had passed away. It just ripped my heart out. So I got to meet this him, in, you know, at a USC event, in, you know, so. This is in no way disrespecting Kobe Bryant, but what movie is this? Statistically, you're more likely to get killed on the way <laughs> to the airport. 
What movie? Right. I don't know what movie? The movie, but I know the line. Dumb and Dumber. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the, the, the point saying is, though, listen, of course, that's tragic. And people, helicopters do crash. Planes sometimes crash. Doors yeah. fall out. No, cars crash. Yeah. So, so, so you won't get in the helicopter. I won't get in the helicopter. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll change my tune at some point in time. But I had to respectfully decline that invitation. But you're right. I'm also soft. You know, I'm also much you're softer not, than whoa, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not soft, John. You're not soft. But I just, I, I, I feel like that's a bit of a... I don't see the logic. In fact, Fair. Brian, just just look up the amount of people that travel via helicopter and the amount of people that die per year. Right. I don't know. That's a hard Very stat few. to look up. Yeah. No, I mean, texting and driving, I think, is the most dangerous thing that a lot of people that you and I know do. And mm. I just, my daughters are on the cusp of, uh, well, my eldest daughter is like a couple <sighs> years away from getting her permit. And uh, every time we're in the car, you know, I'm throwing my cell phone in the glove compartment and saying, like, the best way to not look at your phone while you're driving is to put the fucking thing in the glove box. You're absolutely right because I just got a new car recently and it has the Audi Apple Car and uh, uh, CarPlay. Sorry, pardon me. Yeah, Audi Audi CarPlay and a lot of cars have it. So you just speak it and it's perfect. And then if you get a text message, it says text from such and such and such and right. it reads it out to you. Would you like to respond? And it is such a game changer unless there's someone in the car. Let's say you're sitting with your wife and it says, Michael, you know, do you want to go to the strip club? And you're like, oh, shit. No, no, no. Right, right, right. Get, get it off. Get it off. Yeah. You got to be <laughs> careful there. No, no, no. All jokes aside, I would never frequent such a, such a lousy establishment. Um, <laughs> you've got me thinking though, I'm going to have to upgrade the kids' cars for that alone because you're right. Because the texting and driving, because when they got their licenses, I was, I was like, son, Please, I know you think I'm a nagging old bastard, right? And dad's always getting on your case, but that is something that you really need to pay attention to. And they, they suck at driving. They suck at driving when they first right. get it. Yeah. When they first get the license, man, I'm terrified. So when I hosted ESPN MMA Live and it was on ESPN UK back in the days when you fucking hated me, um, I would close every show by saying, we'll see you next week. And until then, don't text and drive. Right. And part of the reason why I would say that is because I once went up onto a curb while I was texting. And there, thankfully, there were no pedestrians, but that experience effectively changed my life. And I think we get into a bad habit where, oh, some, you know, I'll talk to my twin brother and he'll be like, hey, can you watch this social clip we created? And I'm like, dude, I'm driving. He's like, well, when you get to a light and that's the problem, right? You get to a light, you start watching something, yep. then you start responding and then you bleed it a little bit as you're driving. And all it takes is one second of uh, looking down when you should look up and you can kill a person and, and change your life forever. So. No, you're right. So, so I don't want to be flipping to make a lighthearted remark because that what you're saying is true. Uh, but it does come in handy because if I ignore a text message, I always go, oh, sorry, I was driving. Right, right, right. <laughs> so if you ever get that I was driving from me, then you know it's bullshit. Um, that you reminded me there because having an argument is a surefire way to crash your car as well. Rebecca oh. picked me up from work years ago uh, when we lived back in Clitheroe. It was a dark winter's night. We're going down a windy road and we get to a dual carriageway, we call it. For us, it's a big deal. For you, we just call it an average street. And the cars are going down 70 miles an hour. And we're having a blazing row over nothing. You know, the one, absolutely nothing. And we're arguing, whatever. And she was driving. She pulls out. And then all of a sudden, a motorcycle hit the front of the car going about 80 miles an hour. The the, the rider, the guy, the guy driving it, 
his helmet smashes through the windscreen and then he rolls down the fucking street. Luke, uh, sorry, Callum was a newborn baby in the back of the car and it was that side. And we were like, oh my God, it was bloody awful. Um, and wow. I was so mad. I was mad at the guy because he was going so fast. It, like he was speeding, he was going fast. And I ran over to him, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's, he, he was conscious. He's like, I think I've broken my leg. And I'm like, check on Callum, he's fine. Yeah, anyway, so be careful in the cars, guys. Yeah. There's no moral to the story. I don't know where I'm going with this, but that just popped in my mind as you were talking. By the way, Brian populated 1.3 deaths per 100,000 flight hours, right? So that backs up your point that a helicopter is actually pretty gosh darn safe. And I think you were also going to ask me, to what extent do we talk about things like this on the Anakin Florian podcast when we step out yeah. of the MMA realm, right? So, so let, yeah, let me just finish that question because here's Please. what I was going to say. Okay. 100% because you, you, you and uh, Kenny Florian, amazing podcast. And anyone watching this, if, if you haven't subscribed and ring the bell, please do so. You won't regret it. Just make sure you watch this one as well, you pricks. Um, but on here, people do like it when we kind of go off on a tangent and we talk a bit of randomness and all the rest of it. Is that what you find with your show? Yes. And increasingly, we're starting to do some of that. Like we're doing a segment later this week, overrated, underrated, properly rated, right? Paolo Costa, Hamzat Shimaev, even though it's MMA stuff, it's still a, a different type of MMA conversation, right? One thing that I can tell you, and I do an NFL podcast with my twin brother, who, by the way, cut all his hair off, but I no. do a, an yeah, he shaved it. Uh, well, he didn't shave it. No, he just got a haircut. It kind of looks like yours, but he's not quite as handsome. But no, he cut off the ponytail. But Shout like, out dude, to Jason Anik as well. What a guy. Yeah, great guy. Uh, big guy. Michael Bisping fan, incidentally. But one thing that my audience largely doesn't give a shit about is when we talk about like the Super Bowl or the NFL. So that is something I'm particularly sensitive to. I did have a national radio host on today and we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl, but there's no way I'm booking that guy unless he handicaps the UFC and has some sort of MMA offering. But yeah, I do notice that, you know, when Ray Longo comes on our show and we're talking about dogs and technical issues and things that are unrelated to MMA, people definitely respond to that content. Fecal matter is always a good one to go to. (laughs) Fecal matter being distributed on the newly purchased rugs in the Bisping household. It's a real problem. It's a real issue. Harry's going to have to go. And we got two birds as well. They never stop chirping. Oh, my kids want a bird. They want a turtle. I said, we have a dog. And that's just going to have to do. Thankfully, my dog is potty trained. When, When was the evolution where human beings started picking up? fecal matter in bags like was that happening 200 years ago where the dog would take a shit on the grass and and humans would go pick that up forgive my ignorance i don't think they would have had the plastic bags but i will say this it's definitely been an evolution with me because when i was younger i was i was i was a punk and i was like i pay too much taxes to pick up dog shit (laughs) okay i'm not doing that and now i do and now and anyone that doesn't i'm like excuse me i've turned into that grumpy old bastard yeah you know what i mean standing at the end of the street in fact like volkanovsky have you seen the video oh yeah brit absolute so good genius listen john we're probably gonna let you go i got five more minutes i just want to say one more thing one content piece that our audience was particularly responsive to. So I am a soccer parent now, right? And I think you never know what type of sports parent you're going to be until you're thrust into that situation. And obviously Callum 
competed at a very high level. Lucas is on a great trajectory. Your daughter, obviously, riding horses and everything else, right? But I am just now getting into the competitive soccer games with my kids. And I'm not a coach. I'll be a coach next season so I can yell, right? Like I want to have the opportunity to yell. So I'm going to coach next season. But I saw these two kids go off with my daughter's soccer ball the other day. And they didn't go too far, but I'm monitoring these two kids and they're kicking her soccer ball around. And I can find myself getting a little bit more heated as they're getting further away. And finally, the kid like kicks the ball hard into the side of a building. And finally, I lost it. I was like, my man. I was like, that's my daughter's soccer ball. I don't want her to lose it. And I'm literally, I'm ready to like fight two 18 year old kids. And I said to my wife, like, am I, am I that guy? Like I I'm becoming that guy. Like, I, I don't know that I've had this temper issue my whole life, but I do think increasingly as I get older, I'm becoming less tolerant and I have more anger management and temper issues. And I hope they don't rear their head at these soccer games anymore. Yeah, but that's just natural, isn't it, John? When you see, I mean, they're, they're, is it two daughters? Pardon two me? daughters, yeah, and a little boy, yeah. Two daughters, two, two little girls. They're out there, they're playing football, and some little punk, some little punk bitch comes along, starts fucking with them, with their enjoyment, stealing their ball, their property, yeah, yeah. ruining their day, messing yeah. with the zen, the, the, this perfect picture that you have painted, and they are stopping it. You are the defender, you are the father, you are the protector of the realm. Go fuck yourself to <laughs> that girl and leave that ball. You better go and bring that ball back, spit shine it, yes. put it at my feet, and beg for forgiveness. There's nothing wrong with that, John Anik. Thank you. At all. Thank you. Um, I thought you were going to say that you did a DC. You've heard the story, right? Yeah. No, not that. I didn't DC's do that. DC's kid on yeah. the park. <laughs> yeah. DC's kid on the park. Some kid get pushing the kid. So DC, did he go and push the kid? Is the hey, how do you like it or something? Right. Yeah. <laughs> DC's not afraid. He's got that dog in him. I think I have like a turtle or a cat in here. You know, I don't have that yeah. dog like Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. New York City, the first major city to force its citizens to pick up after their pets the year I was born, 1978. There you have it. Wow. There you go. Evolution. They've always been progressive in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> and now and they don't people, pick up the shit anymore because it's a dump. Oh, my God. Dude, it's I gone people, so downhill. I bet people said they were crazy at the time. What do you mean I got to pick up the dump? I, you know, but, but, but one thing that does get me, though. But listen, you got to pick up the dog shit, but horses go along and just shit all over the place in the street. You know, granted, there's not that many horses, but there's a few trails around here and they just shit as they go. Rebecca says, because she's a horse lover, well, it's just grass, you know, and I'm grass and water. I'm like, yeah, but still, you know what I mean? If I'm going to get a fine for leaving the dog shit, which I don't, leaving the fecal matter, get a shovel and come and pick up the horse shit. What's going on here? Right, like 10 pounds of horse shit. No, we have horses that go through near our our development here, the gated community. Most of the communities in Florida are gated. And uh, yeah, dude, there's horse shit like all over the trail I run on. And there's, yeah, no obligation to pick it up. Um, the Believe You Me podcast, the only podcast that can get John Nick, you know, the, the great mind of the brilliant commentator to break him down, break down the defenses and have him subject to talking about dog shit and horse shit. That's right. When it was established as a rule. (laughs) It's kind of my fault, right? I started this business talking about if you had to send a featherweight in there to save a dog's life. Amazing. Are you sending in Ilya Topuria or Mav Saryevloyev or somebody else? All right, all right. If, 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 If Maisie's life depended on it. Yeah. John Jones or Tom Aspinall, 
I think my pause tells you all you need to know about the competitive nature of that fight, right? I'm putting you on the spot. You should put me on the spot. I'm just messing. I should, uh, but, but we might be calling that fight, so we probably can't get no, too no, no, right? no, I know. I know. It, it gets so tricky, doesn't it, and complicated because, you know, because you can't give predictions because I always say this. It's just disrespectful to the guys in there. If the guys commentating the fights already have gone out there on whatever platform it is and said, I think this guy wins. Well, then it's a real slap in the face to the other person. Yeah. Maybe you can give opinions on whose skill sets might be better, but ultimately we don't know. But if my podcast had an audience that was even a fraction of yours, and I say this with total truth, right? I might have already been canceled or fired, right? I mean, I try to be truthful with my audience. Sometimes I'll break down that fourth wall, but... I am a little bit confrontational in nature. Sometimes I say things without thinking. I walk right up to that line. I try not to cross it, you know, but if I had an audience of your size, I would have to be even more judicious and mindful with my every utterance, you know? I try to be, believe it or not. People huh. probably don't think I do, but I do. I, I, Because number one, I respect the sport and I respect what is public and what isn't public. You know, and sometimes because I often do, I go on this autopilot and I'm just talking and things like that. And sometimes I, I, I've had Zach call me like, what the fuck? You should not have said that. Right. You know what I mean? So so I'm very, very cognizant of never doing that. Yeah, there, there weren't anything bad. Like Marching Tybora announced that, sorry, Tom Aspinall called that Marching Tybora for July 23rd. And then I said, oh, Tom's fighting Marching Tybora July 23rd. And he's like, yeah, but that wasn't an announcement and you just announced it. So just little things like that, little faux pas. But it does get hard when you're doing a podcast two, three hours a week, whatever it is and stuff like that. Yeah, but Ray, he's got to think before you speak. It's really not that hard. Pressure's a privilege, right? Pressure's a there privilege. It is. Pressure is a privilege. John Anik, it has been our privilege. My man. I'm not trying to get rid of you. You can stay all day because i got to talk to Harrington the moment you go. Uh, John, I'm going to see you Friday for the Waynes. I'll see you at the fighter meetings potentially Thursday. Oh, Am I wrong? Oh, shit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Thursday for the fighter meetings. Uh, I look forward to it, man. Thanks for your time again, John. You're the uh, man. Everyone subscribe. John and Anik. Sorry, Anik and Florian podcast. John, see you Thursday, buddy. Take My care. My man. Always a pleasure. Stay Thanks, off buddy. the helicopters. Ha! You know I will. All right, let's talk about FitBod because I love telling you guys about this because FitBod is a tremendous app, right? We're always being told about the latest fad, the new workout, the new diet, and all the rest of it. But ultimately, it's you. You need to work out. You need to lift weights. You need to do cardio, but you get bored. You hit a plateau. You don't have time. Work gets in the way. Life gets in the way. That is where FitBod comes in because they have created a personalized workout routine based on your goals, your fitness level, and the available equipment. FitBot adapts as you improve. So each workout will get more and more challenging to make sure that you progress. You can see your muscle recovery, all of your streaks. You can avoid burnout. You can keep up the momentum. It is fine-tuned by experienced certified personal trainers to bring the best practices and exercise science to you. And all the movements, all the exercises that they tell you about or that they show you on the, on the app, you can learn the movements the correct way because there is over 1,000 high-definition demonstration videos. And as I said, as I always say, they will cater the workouts to the equipment available to you. As I always say, whether you're in the park, at home, in the garage, 
in a gym. It doesn't matter. And here is the best bit, okay? Signing up for FitBod, right, it will cost you about the same amount as one session with a personal trainer, and you will get access to FitBod for a year. If that wasn't good enough, check this out. You can try the app out for free when you go to fitbod.me slash believe. You can get 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash believe. So what more are you waiting for? Go to fitbod.me slash believe and you can thank me later. All right, listen, let's get into this. Sean Strickland, and I know there's a lot of Sean Strickland fans out there. And I did a video on my YouTube channel basically saying, is Sean Strickland a bully? And we're going to get into that again right now because he did a little video of his own, right? So he was he was all over the place at the weekend. He was at Power Slap, let me tell mm-hmm. you. And I know a lot of you don't want to hear about Power Slap. Well, tough shit, because I'm going to, okay? It was a star-studded event, right? They had Tom Brady, Travis Scott, Charles Barkley. Hey, Charles Barkley came over to me when I was commentating. I had to cover, I had to put my thing on mute, bless him. I'm going to brag because this was cool. He comes over and says, you're a legend. You're a goddamn legend. It is an absolute honor to meet you. And I'm like, oh my God, Jesus Christ. I don't, I think you called Charles Barkley. Uh, and I, <laughs> I'm joking. Of course, I know who he is. Uh, so that was cool. But they, it was just full because obviously Super Bowl weekend, Anyone and everyone was in there. It was full. It was packed. There was influencers galore. Influencers, I hate using that term, but still, that's what they are. And Sean Strickland was there. Sean Strickland got into a verbal altercation with Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, oh, here we are. That uh, Sean Strickland got into, well, he threatened to punch some kid that says, can I get that chip on your no papi or something like that? Did you see that one? I missed that one. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Like, so some little like, nerdy looking guy says, can I get a chip on your my papi or something? And Sean just goes, if we were in any other setting, I would hit you right now. And then just walks <laughs> away, right? And then, of course, he was sparring Sneeko, whoever the hell, who is Sneeko? And why do I keep hearing his name? Uh, you keep hearing his name because he does a lot of controversial things and he's the streamer. So, you know, they, they need their name to be out there for people to click and watch their stream. So that's well, it's working because I know who's Well, I've heard the name Sneeko now, and I've also seen him get kicked to shit. Give us some sound on this, please, Brian. My God, Sean Strickland batters in here. They're heavy shots, man. That's as hard as he can. Boris Griffin runs in. Multiple towels come in, right? Sean Strickland's just teeing off on that guy. Now, of course, there's two sides to every coin, right? Sneeko knew. And the Sneeko, like one first name terms. <laughs> That's all I know of him. He only has um, the one name. He's like Cher, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a dickhead. Uh, Sneeko knew what he was getting himself involved in. Sean Strickland's got a habit of doing this. He's done it a lot. That syndicate MMA in Vegas. There's been multiple people talk shit online. He brings them in, he beats them up. Hobbyists. He's done it time after time after time. And you could say, listen, at least Sean's honest to a fault. He wears his heart on his sleeve and, and he doesn't mask who he is or what he's about. But he's sparring a dude there that's about 50 pounds lighter, that has no combat experience whatsoever, and he's essentially trying to murder the guy. Do you know what I mean? And... That's his go-to as well, threatening to kill everybody, as you know, firsthand, Harrington. <laughs> I do, I do. But it's like nobody had a gun on Sneeko forcing him into that cage. You know what I mean? Like he knew that he was about to take a massive beating 
to get himself a few hundred thousand or a few million views. And if the juice is worth the squeeze to him, you know, God bless. You can't you can't make Sean Strickland the bad guy there. You you know, like you you, you don't get mad at the scorpion for being a scorpion. You know that that old proverb. So if you get into a cage with Sean Strickland and you get your ass kicked, I have absolutely no sympathy for you. None. And there is the other side of the coin. And I agree. I do agree. <laughs> However, he's not a scorpion. He has a brain. He has a mind. And you can also look and assess the talent and the threat level, you know. And, yeah, okay, I get it. He wants to embarrass him, right? And he wants to make a fool out of him and all the rest of it, right? And say, you don't belong in here. No man alive should be challenging me at the Performance Institute, right? Uh so Sean has a particular gripe with Sneeko because at some point in his history, he let his girlfriend bang a dude while he was sitting in a chair watching. So apparently that greatly offends Sean Strickland. Well, I yeah, I, I kind of get Okay, That is strange behavior. And that would go back to, what is it? A cook? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I do believe that is the absolute definition of a cook. Yeah. Yes. May the and there seems definition. to be a, a pattern here. <laughs> if you're a cook, allegedly, right, <laughs> then Sean Strickland will come for you, as Ian Gary knows. Uh, I'm not saying Ian Gary's a cook. I'm just putting the pieces of the puzzle together, <laughs> right? Uh, what's your take on that, Harrington? Not, well, not Sean Strickland having a thing with cooks, just the whole thing. Well, in general, though, like like just like Sneeko, right, was going in there to get views and get clicks and, and get people watching him. Sean Strickland similarly has a brand to protect. And his brand is I don't mess with influencers. I don't like these people who are grifting on social media and, and, and you know, like essentially don't have a career, don't have a job. They make silly videos and they make millions of dollars. Sean Strickland has been very clear that that is like, you know, that that's that's the degradation of society. Right. That is a hard harbinger of the end and he has he's had beef with these guys throughout so if he's in a cage with one of these guys and he doesn't do his best to beat the shit out of him then he looks like a liar and like he's full he, like he's all talk you know what i mean like yeah he, yeah but that's also I, I i'm not talking shit i'm just looking at both sides of the coin because i've been in that situation many times as you know you were both there when lewis came down mm -hmm. to the ruka trading center right teeing off on a guy like that right on like Sean did against Nico, to the face with full power shots. You can break a guy's nose. You can break his jaw. You can detach a retina. You can knock him out. You can cause a concussion, right? You can do some real, real nasty damage, right? If you want to make a dick out of the guy and you want to get the buzz and you want to embarrass him and you want to make yourself feel big like a big man or whatever, you can just give him a nice little body shot. A nice <laughs> little body shot, right? Because a good body shot, boom, <laughs> Suck the wind out of him, drop him to the floor like I did to Lewis, right? And you can all laugh about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like right? you can all just have a laugh about it. Go on, Brian. Sorry. I, I saw an earlier version of this, like a, a longer version of this video, where before the fight even starts, he goes, I'm not hitting him in the body. So oh, really? Strickland knew what he was <laughs> I mean, doing. Hey, 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 I'm not hating on it. I, you know, it's uh I actually found it to be quite entertaining. Do you know what I mean? But we, we're a podcast and we're just kicking the ball around on different eventualities and opinions on the situation. Um, so he could have gone to the body. He chose to beat the hell out of him like that. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, listen, he is who he is, you know, and I, and, and I do feel to a certain degree, um, he's living up to that. He's trying to live up to that brand. Do you know what I'm saying? That he, he has become, 
not a caricature of himself, because as long as I've known Sean, he's always been the same way. But people have come to expect a certain type of behavior from Sean. So therefore you get trapped into the cycle of perpetuating that myth. Not that I'm saying it is necessarily a myth or a fake personality because it's not, you know, but you understand the point that I'm trying to make, you know, like when he threatens to kill you, when he threatens to kill Machine Gun Kelly, when he's trying to beat everyone up and threatens to stab Drickus Duplessis when he sees him and all the rest of it. Um, Dana was asked about him at the post-fight press conference, at the slap, the post-slap conference. And uh, he said, yeah, that's just Sean Strickland. Sean just can't be around people. Well, one person that didn't like it was the problem child, the savior to all the bullies on planet Earth. Little Jake Paul to the rescue. Jake Paul came out, called out Sean Strickland, said, I'll give you $1 million if you fly down to Puerto Rico. If you beat me, you get a million dollars. If you lose, you got to get some betting company tattooed on you. I thought Sean Strickland's response was brilliant. It was, he said yes initially, and they went back and forth a little bit. A lot of he said, she said, bullshit, bullshit, playground stuff. Then Sean was like, I'll tell you what, I've got a better idea. How about you meet me in the desert? No cameras, no bullshit, just me and you in the desert, dick to dick, nipple to nipple, let's fight, right? And I thought that was a good response because I thought Jay Paul ain't going to respond to that. And if Jay Paul wants to spar and he really has an issue, he can swing by his gym any day of the week. Sean's always in the gym. He's always training. He's not hard to find. I think he might have said that to Machine Gun Kelly or someone. He said, I'm not hard to find if you've got an issue. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to take him up on that offer, though. No, probably not. It might have been, It might have been though, Bryce Hall, who's another influencer who's also been going back and forth in the DMs with Strickland. Uh, he said that, uh, Str- he, sorry, he posted Strickland's DMs to him where Strickland said, I'm tired of the camera crews. I'm tired of, you know, clicks and likes and all this bullshit. If you want, bring a GoPro, but just you, you and me, come fight it out uh, and, and we'll see. And then Bryce Hall quote tweeted and said, let's do it. So. Who knows, man? Sean Strickland, uh, uh, influencer assassin. Well, you got to be careful, though, when you get to that level, because I was the champ and I ended up getting sued and it cost me a lot of money. And I did nowhere near as much as that. Now, granted, you could say, well, you stepped into a ring and you put gloves on. You know, this is what I was going to say before. You could embarrass someone and make a fool out of them by just outskilling them. Sean is very skilled. He's a good striker. He could have just made mince me out, out, out of him, technically wise, picked him apart, embarrassed him, mocked him, talked to him as he was doing it, moving his head, going, what's your problem? Boom, boom, just pot shotting him away and all the rest of it, you know. Um, I will say this, though. Sneeko might have a better chin than Israel Adesanya. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not shitting on easy. That's just a joke because, you know, he's like, you stayed on your feet. You should be proud of yourself. Here's the thing, guys. You stayed on your feet. He dropped Izzy. And it was those same kind of winging shots. In fact, no, it wasn't. It was a nice one-two straight yeah. down the pipe. But then it was the, the shots up against the fence. Sneaker's got a he's got a hell of a chin, man. To, to be fair, though, Israel Adesanya was also throwing shots back and, and was getting countered when he got hit. Sneeko was just no. high tight guard. Pin your hands to your face and it's, try not to lose consciousness. It was a very flippant, silly joke. Okay, <laughs> that got a laugh. Okay, Harrington, uh, you, you're looking a little tired today. Is it just because you're growing the beard back? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I think it's the beard, the hair, the bags under the eyes. It's just it's age. Why have you got the bags under the eyes? What's going on? Uh, not not a lot of sleep this weekend. I was too buzzing off the Kansas City Chiefs getting a getting a big oh, win. In the oh, Super Bowl. really? Really? Okay, good, good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Um, 
one story, I'll let you set this one up. Because Sunday morning, I let in bed. I had my coffee. Ah, TV just drives me crazy, man. In the morning, I like to watch news. And I flick through multiple different news channels because you can't believe any of them. They're all full of shit. So you get conflicting opinions and all the rest of it. It's just commercials. And I think maybe I might get kicked off YouTube for this. I have YouTube TV. I don't have direct TV or any satellite anymore. The commercials are out of control, man. It's insane. Um, So after a while, I was like, fuck this, can't do it. Let's put YouTube on, actual YouTube, not YouTube TV, and just find something there. And I put on the UFC 298 countdown show. I'm commentating the event, watch it, see some behind-the-scenes stuff, very good. And then I saw this scene, actually halfway through, I needed the toilet. Went to the bathroom, I'm dropping my guts. And I was like, did I hear that correctly? Right? And you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Henry Cejudo... Well, Hamilton, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, so Henry Cejudo, you might remember his longtime coach, uh, Eric. Come on, Rebecca, come here, come here. Oh. Rebecca, been on the show for a bit. We need a bit of uh, we need a bit of Rebecca Bispin. Come on, say hi to Harrington. Hi, Harrington. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? This is an awkward forced conversation. Oh, well, you you forced it. I was just bringing you your honey and lemon. I was saying, uh, Harrington, (laughs) Harrington, I was saying last night we didn't get to see the final part of the Super Bowl, did we? No. Because she insisted that we went for a walk. (gasps) Oh, my God. And you said you would rather pick up. I insisted, uh-huh. You said you would rather pick up fecal matter than watch (laughs) any part of that game. I said that. I did say that. I was joking, but I did say that. He's got the Kansas Chiefs hat on. There it is. I'm sorry. I can't believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's just it's not for us. I I, we tried. So at that spirit, but I just found it kind of very boring. At the house I was at watching the game, I saw people leaving with three minutes left in the game when the Chiefs were down three points and driving with the ball. And I'm like, why are you leaving a Super Bowl part? Like this, the game finally got good. Why would you leave now? I just can't wrap my head around it. Well, maybe like us, they just don't care either way. No, they care. They care. This but is no, but the th- I don't know. Is this normal? It was just so boring. There was no, no energy. Yes, Michael. Don't you said it was boring too? I don't know what he's been saying. He <laughs> Best said, game I've ever seen in my goddamn life. He said you agreed with me. It was very lackluster. There was no energy. Like even from the teams, from the crowd. From like even the what do you call them commentators announcers? Right. Yeah, this was what your husband does. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know if you called it a commentator when it's <laughs> when it's a play by play broadcaster. Uh, Harrington, let me ask you a question, and I've got something <laughs> for you to bring up in a minute. Um, yes. What is the average score in a game of football? Because there wasn't many touchdowns and sc- scoring of points there. At this point, I, w- I would say it's probably somewhere between like forty-five and forty-eight points. Uh, right. Since that was a shit the game, game then. But here's the no, thing. No, no, that means it was a tight game. It, it means was there was a- no action. No, that's what right. I mean. Like normally they score more points. They right? do. And, and uh, they only scored what, 20 odd? No, they, they ended up scoring. It was a pretty decent amount. It was 22, 25, 22 was the final score. So they got to 47 points. It's just a lot of the scoring oh, you mean in happened. Total. Yeah. A lot of the scoring happened in the... The most common amount of points, according to Brian, and you feel free to jump on, Brian, and say the score in an NFL game is 20 to 17. Oh, hold on. Just for anyone that's international and the people in Zimbabwe and wherever you are listening to, because, no, it's Uganda. We've got a big following in Uganda. Right about, no. Um, How many points for a touchdown? 
Uh, six, six, and then then an extra point is generally three makes it for seven. a conversion. Do you call it a conversion? You call it a field goal. Field goal. So this is this is the thing. Oh, what is the thing? <laughs> you see the smugness of the way she said that. No, there's nothing smug about this. I know. Careful. I know nothing about the game, so it is like really hard to kind of get involved and and like just know what's going on because it's it's so really complicated. It is so hard to follow. And if you know nothing, and we was this literally, it was just sat Michael and I. Both of us clueless. You're just as clueless as me. Don't even start. <laughs> He's got no idea. Clearly not. So we're both like, what- I'm like, why are they stopping all of the time? Like the, every time they kind of it gets going, it they stop. They yeah. stop for commercials, Rebecca. <laughs> no, but they kind but of they the issue, Brian. It was like there so was many commercials, and the commercials were lame. I mean, the, the Super Bowl is brought to you by Pfizer for sure. You know, <laughs> oh my god, oh, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we knew when the game had finished though, because when we went on our walk, because we live in a very quiet neighborhood, all of a sudden the streets were packed. There was just there was actually traffic because everybody leaving the Super Bowl parties. I'm like, oh, well, we guess the game must have finished now, right? Yeah, we we heard a few like woohoo's and stuff. <laughs> we're like, oh, it must have finished. Someone scored. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, I was just saying that Sunday morning we were in bed watching yes. the TV, mm-hmm. and you witnessed Henry Cejudo firing his coach to the world. I did, and I wondered why would he do that? Um, I thought that was – and I didn't know if it was like a rehearsed thing, if they've, like, made him do that, like if he did it behind the scenes and they're like, oh, can you just reenact that? And he agreed to that because I'm like, who would do that? Let's just play the video a second here. Well, well done, Brian. All the mistakes that I made. Okay, I didn't want to talk to you and, like, the whole team, man. When you were with me for my last Olympic trials, you've been there for me, but as of right now, I just want to let you know, man, that for, for this camp, dude, I'm getting rid of specific coaches, man. Unless you included, dude. Sometimes you're too close to somebody and people just get too comfortable. The goal has always been the same, for you to be the greatest combat athlete of all time. And to me, that was a dream come true. This is why this man is the GOAT coach, the most unselfish oh, human that you will ever meet. Captain Eric. <laughs> So, I've got to choose my words carefully because I'm commentating the fight at the weekend. What is your opinion as a woman, <laughs> as a fan of the sport, mm-hmm. as 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 a human being? Mm-hmm. What was your general opinion when you saw that? I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I I, I don't can't believe I didn't say anything to you. I was on the toilet, weren't I? Yeah, I don't know what you were doing. You weren't there. And I was, I was dropping uh, my guts. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just, but that, uh, it was just really confusing. And then on the other hand, he's got his brother as his coach. So he's like, oh, no, you're too close. Like, I need, is, this is all business. But then his brother's coaching him. Like, I was just a little bit um, taken aback, a little bit confused, mm. a little bit shocked. Thought mm. it was a bit yeah. of a, a shell shock. I was, I was shocked. And I just you thought it shocked. was um, not a very classy move. Oh. Henry, I never said that. Oh, I'm, I'm not I'm, allowed to say that, right? No, no, just pop. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Thank you, darling, for the honey water, lemon, and salt. It's my new power drink these days. You don't. We're going to get back to the Sahudo. By the way, you don't need energy drinks. You don't need coffee. This does the trick. Honey, lemon, hot water, and a good old sprinkle of salt. Hmm. Flying. Yeah, you got your electrolytes. You're golden. Electrolytes. Oh God. Anyway, so yeah, back to Sahudo. 
So Eric Albaracin, however you pronounce the name, my apologies. I've met him obviously around the game and he's a really, really nice guy. And he is like, obviously an old friend and a colleague, if you will, in terms of training partners. I don't know if he manages him as well. I'm not sure about that, but uh, he's always with Henry. He's always been like his road dog and his coach, his confidant, his friend. And I don't know too much about the personal relationship, but I know when I've sat down a couple of times with Eric and we've had conversations, he's like the most loyal friend ever. So I still have a hard time believing that there isn't some angle of a bit there. Because the way that he told him wasn't like... I mean, listen, if you've got some bad news, sometimes the easiest way to deliver it is just to come out with it. You know, like ripping off the Band-Aid. You know, it's like, I'm changing up my whole fight camp, dude. You know, and, and they got to go. And you're one of them, dude. So, you know. And then he goes and gives you this nice speech. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just like, because he was a little uncomfortable in the moment. Um, but I don't know how I feel about him doing it on camera if it was legit. I mean, the only thing I was thinking while I was watching that was like, you know, he's he's trying to give a little bit of shine to Eric. Um, you know, like it, it, I I just don't know how much like coaches get talked about on on something like a, a you know, like a countdown show or, or, you know, necessarily an embedded. So giving that spotlight to be like, this was the guy who took me from the Olympic trials to a two weight division UFC champion, Eric Albert, right. you know what I mean? Brian, Brian, Brian. So, so listen, and this, I like it. I like the the opposite or the difference of opinions. So, <laughs> Harrigan's logic, Brian, is that what he wanted to do is that the coaches don't get the spotlight. So, to ensure he gets the spotlight, he's going to fire him on the show and say, I, we don't need you anymore, bro. Honestly, Thanks for everything, but I don't need you going forward because you're pale, stale, and male. Okay, right? <laughs> um, I'm not sure that was the get-go. What's your opinion, Brian? Henry really uh, puzzles me a lot with some of his decisions, and this is one of them. I can't explain half the shit he does. I can't either, to be honest. I like Henry, though. I like him. He's cool. He's a really cool guy, as is Eric. I mean, look, listen, we don't know the full picture. All we know is what they showed on there. Right? Let's be honest. He might have told him beforehand, hey, listen, I'm going to, you know, who knows? Maybe he wasn't. Have... There could be a million things. One thing's for damn sure. I'm interviewing him on Wednesday at the Fighter Hotel. The, the interview will be on this, on this channel some point on Wednesday, maybe yeah. Thursday morning, you know, but it'll be on it. So I'm going to ask him can, about this. this I was going to say, bit. can promise that's our first question at the gates. What the hell happened there? <laughs> first question out the gates. There it is. Not about Marab nice. Davalisvili. No, it will be though. Because I am very curious about that. Him versus Marab, that's a really, really tough fight and it's a close fight. So I would have thought in those kind of situations, you want the people that you know, people that you trust, certainly given Henry's, phase of his career is towards the end. You know, he's been very open and well, he retired already. Came back, lost to Aljamain Sterling. You think he's he, for somebody well, to blame for the loss, you know, where he's just like, it can't be me. I need to do something drastically different in my life. Sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the case. Sometimes when people start, I, I am not saying this is the case, but I have seen this with other, other fighters. It's insecurity. They're not getting the results that they want. So they start to look around and point the finger at somebody else. When the harsh reality, and I'm, this isn't about Henry and Coach Eric. This is just in general. I have seen this. The harsh reality is that the fighter or the person in question 
just hasn't got it anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think Tony Ferguson, he was always changing his coaches. Yeah. You know, he's on a seven fight lo- losing streak, right? He'll always be a legend, but then you're changing the team all the time. Cause you're like, right, I need this. No, no, I don't. When you get beat again, I need that. No, I don't. I need a fucking, I need David Goggins. <laughs> I need <laughs> David Goggins. It's a reach, right? Yeah. Yeah. You start yeah. thinking shit. You know what I mean? Hey, where's oh. that where's that dickhead who was training Diego Sanchez? Let's see what he's doing. <laughs> what's his name again? Jacob. Uh, what's his name? God. I can't remember. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> he was the biggest weirdo on planet goddamn Earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we don't see him around anymore. Uh, Joshua Fabia. Joshua Fabia. The biggest bellend on planet goddamn Earth. All right, listen. This one is a personal ad read, but it's true. I love Tushy. I love bidets. I love going to the toilet and evacuating my system without using a piece of dry, brittle toilet paper. I don't want to have to touch potential fecal matter, whether it's human or from a dog, okay? And I don't have to do that anymore thanks to Tushy because it attaches to your toilet. Even a moron that's not good with his hands can do it like me, okay? Right? And then all you do, you just turn the knob, it will shoot a delightful kind of a nice sensation. It will clean your butthole properly. So once you're finished doing your business, you can clean it all off. By the way, it's no secret that toilet paper is bad for the environment. It's estimated that toilet paper accounts for 15% of deforestation every year. With Tushy, you use 75% less toilet paper on average. So it's going to save you money as well. The Tushy B-Day also stays clean and hygienic with its patented self-cleaning smart spray. The nozzle clean itself before and after each use automatically. The build-up resistant design helps to minimize grime buildup and it even has antimicrobial knobs. Antimicrobial even. The B-Day stays clean just like you, okay? Every Tushy B-Day comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and a 12-month warranty. It's risk-free to join the over 3 million real pooping humans who have made the switch to a cleaner, a more economical way to wipe your ass, okay? What more are you waiting for? Get that fresh out of the shower feeling by going to hellotushy.com and for a limited time, our listeners will get a 10% discount. So go to hellotushy.com, use the code BISPING at checkout, you'll get 10% off. One more time, I love this thing. You will love this thing. If you haven't got one, what are you waiting for? It's 2024, hellotushy.com. The promo code is BISPING for a a nice 10% off. Anything that we haven't got to yet? I know we had some fights at the weekend. We'll talk about the main and the call main in just a second. Any of the breaking news? Um, I don't think no, so. Nothing too, too crazy. No. All right. Well, we got uh, Volk uh, responding to the two old allegations. Dude, dude. Oh, dude, yeah. Dude. We didn't play that video. It fucking made me. I was dying. <laughs> this is, this is, dying. this is genius. This is amazing. Play the video because there's a good chance a lot of the believers haven't seen it. And I showed Rebecca in bed last night. Check this out. It's gold. I'll make a headline out of anything these days, huh? It's ridiculous. All this talk about the over 35 curse. It's nonsense. So I've let the sports bet crew in. <laughs> ah, shoes off, shoes off. To prove I'm just as youthful as these whippersnaps. Like licorice. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Usually a hit. Every What's a grish? Hanging up the gloves. Black licorice. It's always dangerous. Oh. We want you to headline this next main card. This will be him now. Watch. Dana. Who? Taxation office. 
My credit card details are <laughs> 
Yeah, so their 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 thing was we're gonna put you in a biodegradable box and then compost that and and give you like the remains in a very biologic and sorry eco friendly way, uh, so they're not sending like a bunch more uh, crap into the ozone layer. Okay, all right. I guess on paper I can see the appeal of that. You know, maybe you know. Ultimately, when you're dead, you're dead. Okay. Some people are weird about that. Some people want to stick around. Some people want to be worshipped. They want to have a massive tombstone. Some people don't give a shit and want to get cremated. So what were they actually doing? Uh, what they were doing was taking the bodies and just leaving them in a room that was not refrigerated, that was uh, covered in bugs and all kind of other disgusting, creepy crawlies. You can only imagine uh, what that room would smell like with 109 bodies just free decomposing. Um, and they were giving the families that gave them the money and their families remains a bag of like cement and ash and random debris that they could find. I mean, the balls on these people. I don't believe you. Look at how nice they are. <laughs> is, is that actually them? Oh, yeah. yeah that's the couple. Oh, my Return God. Bam. Maker. I mean, see, 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 that's it. Look at them two there now. They look crazy. Them right. right there. But go back to the other one. It's amazing what a suit will do for you. A suit and a bit of makeup and a nice bit of lighting. I mean, I'll be honest. They look like the kind of people that you might want to introduce your elderly mother to if she wants to be cremated or whatever. You know, they look like a nice set of people. If they wanted yeah. to run this scam successfully, right, they okay. should have just pretended to be one of those companies that plants you under a tree. Then they could have just planted a tree and done whatever with the bodies. But, like, they fucked up. That's all it is. If we Google them, can we find the website or anything, Brian? Because I would love to see what their pitch I'll be is right back. online. Yeah, yeah, be right back. Uh, but I, I will say this in terms of, see if you can find out what they cost, what they charge people. And in fact, Brian, if you can, I'm throwing a lot of things at you. Find out the average charge or cost of burying a parent or a funeral because they ain't cheap. So I'm seeing for the green burial type that uh, uh, that this this place was saying it's saying that there is an a, a, the average cost of a green funeral ranges between one thousand to four thousand dollars for an eco friendly funeral. One thousand so. to four thousand. Uh, so I guess it's going to be more for a regular funeral. And they had one hundred and nine bodies. So they were taking, let's just say, four thousand dollars of every person and they were just dumping the dead body in their basement or a spare room and just leaving them to it. Yeah. And they decompose and there's the smell would just be disgusting. That's probably why they were taking so many vacations. Fair oh, enough. God. They said the, the uh, company charged $1,895, $1,895 for a natural burial, not including the cost of a casket or cemetery space. So okay. What the fuck a natural burial means. So yeah, I'm I'm seeing that as uh three three hundred fifty eight thousand one hundred fifty five dollars for the hundred eighty nine bodies that were found there. Who knows how many they actually dealt with? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Something like the three hundred uh, three hundred thousand mark, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So what's going to happen to these now? Because you know, th listen, they haven't killed anyone. No, what but is they the have... actual charge? Is it? Um, it would be fraud. theft of fraud theft of fraud. services fraud so. and then there there is something about like you know uh uh like desecrating a, a body there definitely is yeah. a charge for that imagine you get locked up you go into prison on your first day yo what you win for <laughs> yeah so i took 109 bodies and just had them decomposing in my spare room <laughs> 
smelled a little bit, but fuck you. Now we had some killer holidays. I think you get a lot of respect, Brian. What have you seen? Facing over two hundred felony charges. I'm sure a huge conglomerate of them for each multiple body. Yeah, yeah, over two hundred felony charges. They're going to jail forever. Probably they'll probably serve a long time, right? They'll probably never get out. No, probably not. So this is the crazy thing because in the UK. there was a, there was a very famous murder just recently. Two young girls stabbed to death another young girl, a transgender girl. It's not important, whatever, you know. Um, oh, at the park, right? At the park. I did right? hear about it. Yeah. It's fucked up, man, right? There's two young girls, or no, sorry, a girl and a boy. And they get 20 years. They're going to be out in 10. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've cold-blooded stabbed the life out of somebody. And in 10 years' time, they'll be walking around. I mean, I will say this, you know, being English, having lived in the UK and lived in the States, you know, you guys do some shit way better. And I think we do some things way better, right? There's, you know, it's it's, it's different systems. In the States, I do like the fact that you guys don't fuck around when it comes to punishing serious criminals. I know there's a lot of people getting away with a lot of stuff. Those immigrants in New York, they're fucking getting it right now. Uh, But, um, yeah, if you did something like that in the States, you ain't seeing daylight ever again, more than likely. No, well, I mean, yeah, they'd also, I'm sure, slap hate crime stuff at you and and trump up your charges like crazy. But, I mean, we also, we got the death penalty here. Like, we go a step yep. further than, you know, you're going to die in jail. It's like, we're going to kill you in jail. Yeah, the death penalty is a tricky one, isn't it? Because there's been so many people with DNA right, with DNA that were found to be innocent. I do think that if they know for a fact, beyond the shadow of a doubt, not beyond reasonable doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, certain crimes, of course, I think certain crimes, the death penalty is called for. I think a cell is too good for some people. You know, like the rape of children, the murder of children, and just certain disgusting, ungodly crimes like that. I am all for that, but only if you can prove without question, you know, like you're caught on CCTV or you just everything is like, it was you. It was you. <laughs> Even my son could figure that out. Even Harrington could figure that out. Yes, Brian. George Carlin has a bit about how to make the Super Bowl more entertaining, where he was just like, we take all these pedophiles and all these murderers and rapists and we just rapid fire execute them at halftime. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it would make it... You might get some views. I mean, I'm saying it would be the most watched thing in the history of television ever. Sneakers out there getting beat to shit off Sean Strickland. It's that same kind of crowd. They're going to tune in and watch that. Uh, it's always funny because Brian always comes on and he's always like, this might get us kicked off YouTube. And then he comes out Why? with that comment without any disclaimer. <laughs> what? So ever uh, real quick, I want to touch on the weekend's fights in the main event. We had Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Romanson. Joe Pfeiffer looked like he was the real deal. Looked like he was going to live up to the hype in the first two rounds. He was rocking Jack Hermanson early, cracking him with big left hooks, with big right hands, loading up on his shots. Um, And I don't mean that from a disrespectful point of view. I mean, he was going for the knockout, which is what you're supposed to do. I was thoroughly impressed with the chin of Jack Hermanson. I thought he weathered the storm nicely in rounds one and two. And then experience took over. Butchered that calf kick. 
throughout five rounds to the point where Pfeiffer was switching stances because he was in agony, uh, landed beautiful jabs, took the vision out of him with the jab in round three. In fact, I've got a DM from Joe Pfeiffer here. Let's have a little look. She's doing what his actual thing that he said, the statement, what he said on the message, what he sent. Uh, he said, uh, yeah, that punched in my eye, took my vision away. I just couldn't see after that. Yeah, there we go. No need to look at the message. Um, Jack Manson. Weathered the storm, took it five rounds, used the experience, kept his cool, showed a good chin, and yeah, it was a clear three to two victory. I think that fight will be absolutely instrumental for Joe Pfeiffer. I think it's one of those fights where you start to realize, hold on a minute, I have the power, I have the aggression, I have the physicality, I've got all these things, uh, but there's still a bit of technical strategy aspects which need to be figured out, and that comes with experience. Yeah, I definitely like the the rough part about that fight for me coming out of that first round, I turned to a buddy and I'm like, this is the first guy since Paulo Costa we've had in this division where it's like, oh, my God, just look at these hands go. Right. Like, I don't count Alex Pereira because Alex Pereira was just fighting a couple of guys until he proved he was ready to fight Izzy. Like, this is a prospect who came out of nowhere, who's getting it done with his hands, with the violence, big power, big pop. Um, and, and then it just started to melt. What I, my big thing is Pfeiffer came out throwing those heavy, heavy leg kicks early. Hermanson checked, I think, like two or three in the first round, and that really seemed to fuck Piper up a little bit. Um, but that's the know. way it always goes. When it, yeah. All it takes is, because I've fought a lot of kickboxing and tie boxing as well, one good check against a real good kicker, they stop because it hurts them way more than it hurts you. And they go, shit, that sucked. Well, I'm gonna, I don't want that again. I don't want that. So well done to Jack Manson. Thoroughly a nice guy. He's a true veteran of the sport, been around forever. Well done to him for getting it done in the main event. And of course, Dan Ige, once again, get going out. That's the second knockout I think he's had like that quite recently. Who was it? Danny Gay over Andre Feely. I hated watching that. Andre Feely's a class act, man. He's a great guy. He's an incredible fighter. I love talking to him. He's a proper, nice human being. Andre Feely, I'm telling you, because Callum used to train at uh, Team Alpha Male. He said Andre Feely would always come over. He was always so helpful and respectful and nice and, like, you know, trying to help and whatnot. Uh, Danny Gay, man, he's got some power in that right hand. Yeah, that was uh, Damon Jackson is the the other walker. Yeah. Okay, I think you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Danny Gay is now eight and one as a favorite in the UFC. Um, he beats the guys who he's supposed to beat. You know, like I just there's just something about like Dan Ige is a very, very, very hard hurdle to climb. And that's why when guys like Movsar Evloev is able to get a uh, win over him, it's like, all right, this guy actually is the real deal. You know, no, for sure. For sure. And, you know, who is the real deal? Also, who's that? John Anik. Thank you, John, for joining us. And thank you all believers for being here. We would typically say, if you have a question, send it into BYMPod at gmail.com. In fact, I am saying if you have a question, send it into bympod at gmail.com. But we're not doing questions today because we're a little sh- we're a little low on the quality yeah, of questions. I mean, when you're sending in questions, make like listen back to it <clears throat> because there's only so much I can do to make it audible for the show. Otherwise, we just don't know what you're saying. Yep, yep. And how much do you have anything to add? 
I do. I want to tell people if they're listening on Spotify or wherever they find podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating positive review. It really helps out on all those platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell to find out whenever a new video drops. And if you want to catch over 500 episodes you can't find anywhere else, completely ad-free and totally uncensored, head to gasdigital.com. Use the promo code BYM. Get a seven-day free trial. Check out over 20 great shows on the network. And that is it for today's show. But I do want to say Thursday, of course, we'll be back. And I will be joined by Darino, Gilbert Burns, and probably another guest as well that's still yet to be confirmed. But thanks for watching wherever you are in the world. All the best. Take care. Look after yourself. And I'll see you Thursday.